It's Benji Cole, son of Al Cole from CBS Radio and host of People of Distinction. The talk that gives an in-depth view of some of the most dynamic, intelligent, and successful people on the planet. Run to our website, peopleofdistinction.org, for more info. Or you can always email me directly at benji at alcoholenterprises.com. And on the line with us today, we have Jerry Rhodes. We're going to be discussing his amazing book, The American Enterprise Party, Volume 1, The Swing Vote to Drain the Swamp and Rein in Big Brother and the Brotherhood. Now, it's available for purchase through Amazon as well as barnesandnoble.com. But people, if you want to gather everything that Jerry has in store, do yourself the best favor you can do and go directly to his personal website. Okay, it's jerryrhodesauthor.com. And just so there's no confusion, Rhodes is R-H-O-A-D-S. So once again, that's jerryrhodesauthor.com. The reason why you want to go there to gather everything that he has in store is because this book, of course, The American Enterprise Party, Volume 1, this is the anchor for today's interview. But Jerry has put in some work, okay? And believe me when I tell you, he is the absolute embodiment of a person of distinction because not only has he written this book, but he has 17 other titles that he's written as well. Hopefully, many more on the horizon. You gotta head on over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, jerryrhodesauthor.com together everything that he has in store. And before we go any further, I do want to take this opportunity and point out that Jerry was brought to our network, People of Distinction, today by one of the best advertising firms in the business. You already know, I'm talking about Quipper Prince. So listen to me. If you're a writer out there, you have a book that you've written, and now you find yourself at a crossroads because, well, because you need help moving the book you just wrote. Let me give you some fantastic advice. Contact Quipper Prince. They're one of the best in the business to do it. And frankly, people, this is what they specialize in. Head on over to QuipperPrints.com today and gather all of the ways they're going to help maximize your creative endeavors. And listen, it is an absolute pleasure, okay? A true honor to have Jerry here on the line. As I mentioned to you before, he is the truest embodiment of a person of distinction. Now, why do I say that? It's not only because of the fact that Jerry has written 18 books and counting. That makes him pretty unique and distinct in his own right. But people, when you start to do research on his book, The American Enterprise Party, Volume 1, well, first and foremost, you know if there's a Volume 1, Well, it's probably a safe bet that there's a volume two. Well, not only is there a volume two, but there's also a volume three. There is so much happening here. This book is layered. It is educational. It is informative. It has so much to do with our political system, but also our country as a whole. Now, Jerry is going to be here to educate all of us because this book, as I mentioned, is layered with so many things. Now, he's going to explore the swing vote party and their effect in the political arena, utilizing his experience in the industry to back his perspective, this man knows what he's talking about. So you're going to want to sit back, strap in, have your notebooks ready, and please understand that we're only going to scratch the surface here today, okay? We are going to cover a lot, but it's a very small percentage in the totality of what is encompassed in his book, and by the time we've concluded, you're going to run to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, JerryRhodesAuthor.com and pick up your copies because you're going to want to fill in those gaps. And don't take my word for it. Take Jerry's. It's his book. He's written it. It's his experience. He's lived it. He's going to be able to articulate it much better than I ever could. Jerry, first and foremost, welcome to People of Distinction, and thank you very much for being a guest. How are you doing today, sir? 
Well, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. It's a true pleasure, man, to have you here with us on the network. What you've embarked upon, I think, is profound for so many reasons, but very, very educational. Before we jump into the books, I know we have a lot of information to cover. Start by telling our listening audience a little bit more about yourself. Jerry, tell us more about your background. Well, I'm a, by, by profession, I'm a certified public accountant. Uh, I'm originally from Iowa. We were transplanted to Chicago, my wife and I and our small daughter, after I graduated from Simpson College. Um, and that's in Iowa. And my degree was in, in liberal arts and business administration. And I was recruited to Chicago by Arthur Anderson and Company, the largest accounting firm and consulting firm at that time in the world. Mm-hmm. And here I was, a hick from Iowa that... Uh, Never been to Chicago. <laughs> so from 5,000 down to 5 million, it was quite a quite a transition. But from that point on, I've been involved with, uh, with government, health care, uh, and, and having my own businesses. I've, I'm an entrepreneur. I started five businesses. As you said, I've written numerous books on mostly on health care and politics and the poor health of America in general and how we're going to have to deal with that in our healthcare system. But uh, my experience uh, has been mainly with the um, day-to-day business people mm-hmm. and have found that we're not pitting America, uh, American capitalism against American socialism because American capitalism are the shareholders and the American socialism are the human capital. And then they'll say, oh, well, humans aren't capital. Well, I hate to disagree. But that formula comes together every day in our small businesses and then medium businesses and then international businesses. And to a certain degree, we're kind of losing out on that international trade. And I'll go into that in more detail. Being an author is something I'm doing after I retire. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of a new profession. (laughs) Well, it never stops, right? I love that. And people, I told you, Jerry knows what he's talking about, okay? This is something that he has lived for a number of years, and this man knows money, right? His background's in CPA. He knows his money, and he understands it from a government perspective. And this is what I love about your book, Jerry. It is. It may be hard for certain people to swallow, But it is eye-opening, okay? And there is a lot of things that we cover here. Without further ado, let's jump right in. The American Enterprise Party, Volume 1, The Swing Vote to Drain the Swamp and Reign in Big Brother and the Brotherhood. Jerry, tell us a little bit more about your book. Well, as I had indicated, I'd like to read the the, um, mission statement. It will take a second here. Uh, And and I'm talking about Americanism, the other ism that really kind of stands out over communism, fascism, all the other isms. But the mission statement of Americanism, in America, we now have two tribes, parties, fighting each other and losing the American dream. The left and the right forego the middle American for one-party control. A third-party swing vote breaks ties and keeps money ticks, monetized politics, and partisan politics honest by pursuing consensus legislation and laws and regulations by being the referee for bipartisan decision-making to avoid one-party control where monetary capitalists 
share and human social care. So free market enterprise is truly, truly laissez-faire. The marriage made real by the American dream on humanism and American enterprise practicing laissez-faire. That's Americanism. So the book really defines a, a top-down problem. And it's because we have two parties that really are, are evolving into one party, mm-hmm. the uniparty. And our founders uh, did not put a two-party system in the Constitution for that reason, because they were afraid that it would evolve into one party uh, getting control uh, and, and avoiding consensus uh, bottom up from the voters. And so that's our situation at the, at the, at the present time, as we have a, a gridlock Congress, and to unlock that gridlock is going to take uh, a tiebreaker. And at this point, the, the thir- third party that I'm proposing, the American Enterprise Swing Vote Party, doesn't need to control. It just needs to be able to break the ties mm-hmm. and move the legislation and the laws to the middle. We now then have a representation of the independent voters who claim that they they like something about one party or the other, and they swing that way, but they don't have a platform plan or um, a positive result. So why is this imperative now? Well, first of all, it's the debt that has been uh, They've, they've, they've set the ceiling, but they have 79 times moved the ceiling. And the ceiling now has been deferred until, until the next political election. So it could go to $50 trillion. And a trillion, if you non-accountants want to do the accounting, uh, a trillion is, 50, is a thousand billions. And a billion is a thousand million. Mm-hmm. And a millions are a thousand of those other dollars. So at that point, it becomes the the beyond the the understanding of anybody that's outside of this monstrous government to realize that it's at a point where we're not going to economically, which means what's our total assets, be able to liquidate our total liabilities, not just today or tomorrow or this year, but over a period of years, and if. And it goes slowly, and this has accumulated since World War II, when we won the war, but we incurred billions of dollars in debt. So the greatest president, that, in my opinion, that we had was Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who managed this through building the war machine in four years and beating Hitler's that took 10 years to, to build, with Rosie the Riveter and all the, the, the hard work of the Americans, which was funded by, guess what, war bonds, 6% war bonds. Hmm. So in essence, we bailed ourselves out of billions of dollars of debt because Americans stepped up, including the billionaires and millionaires and whoever else was making their wealth off of America, the great American enterprise. It's not an institution. It's not a church. But we're treating it that way. We're actually saying cash in and cash out. That's that's our business. Well, that's cooking the books to the extent of the debt clock, which is in 
Washington, D.C., and also in New York City on the, on the wall of the stock market, uh, it's, it's demonstrating the difference between government accounting, which is budgeting accounting, that adds in borrowing into the receipts to make it balance, versus generally accepted accounting principles, which forces you to report your results on an uh, enterprise basis uh, to pay taxes and to to have your stock uh, sold on the market or your bonds. Generally accepted accounting principles is required by the SEC and all bankers uh, and all accountants if you have a business. So why did why is the government not on that form of accounting? Right. Well, when you convert that, we currently have 32 trillion in debt. And then you add in what our obligations are, it rolls up to 184 trillion that are, that are promises, which is Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and 13 entitlement programs. So just to give you a little flavor, that is what the enterprise party is, is formed to do, is bail out this potential bankruptcy. And bankruptcies, I've been through a couple. I understand how you cut costs and get down to the break-even point, mm-hmm. start over and make money, pay your bills. Uh, that's that's the greatest invention in America because no other country has that. It's called the bankruptcy laws. So uh, you'll say, uh, I'm told, oh, the government can't go bankrupt. Well, the government has gone bankrupt in the cities and states. The 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 Constitution does not say you can't go bankrupt. It says you should not spend more than you make. That was a Thomas Jefferson addition to the Constitution. Yeah. Well, we have violated that, like I said, since the Second World War. So I've got a bottom-up solutions to solution to this top-down problem. People, I'm telling you, this this is impactful, okay? And, and a couple of things. A, it's absolutely alarming, a bit scary, but also... As I mentioned before, eye-opening. I mean, this is so educational. You gotta head on over to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, JerryRhodesAuthor.com. We have just begun. We've barely scratched the surface, and I'm already at the edge of my seat, hanging on to every word because this affects us. This affects your day-to-day lives, and as well as our children. Right? For my parents out there, I'm thinking, as Jerry is talking, all I can think about is. What is the world going to look like for my daughter, right? For my, hopefully, future children that I have. I mean, right now, we only have one. We have a daughter. But my wife and I are planning on potentially having a second. And and I can't help but think, what is the world going to be like for her? Because this is scary. Mm -hmm. But we can do something about it. And that's where I want to go next. Jerry, I know... Volume one, what we just talked about, addresses the problem. Well, as I mentioned to you before, people, there's a volume two, there's a volume three. Now, volume two goes into the solution of that problem. Volume three addresses who is going to be the ones to really address that and and put that solution into effect. Now, of course, the anchor was all about volume one, Jerry. So we don't want to go into too much detail, but please talk to us about the solution that you've come up with and who's going to be responsible for it. The American enterprise, I call it a manifesto. And the manifesto, if you define it, is a proposed reorganization to solve typically major 
social or economic or governmental problems. Well, this one encompasses all of those. So really in, in, in volume two, uh, the manifesto is going to um, do a reorganization of our debt. Uh, the way that is done, and it's done in, in chapter seven, 10, 11, and 13, and, and governments are chapter 10, is that they freeze everything at a certain point and then a plan emerges from the debtor and has a creditor committee that approves that to start reorganizing the debt and raising capital. Well, the first step in my program is to raise the capital from the existing wealth that has been generated from the great American enterprise. And that's the billion, zillion millionaires mm-hmm. that claim that they, they don't want to pay all the bills. Well, they don't. Actually, when you look at who pays all the bills, it's typically uh, the, the I call them enterprising Americans, but uh, risk-taking enterprising Americans. They also pay property taxes, sales taxes. So there's a misconception here that the, the wealthy pay all of the, the governmental bills. They don't. And actually, the, the government, the size of it is 24 million employees. Uh, and and uh, we're not quite sure what they do. They're in agencies. There's 12 agencies of the federal government. Then we have 12 agencies of the state government and 12 agencies of the county government. After a while, we have 2,500 agencies that we're funding with $2 trillion a year in payroll, including benefits, the best health care, and pensions. Uh, forever, as long as uh, these people live, and the, and they and they don't turn over, the bureaucracy itself of 24 million employees are swing votes. They either swing with the party they think that's going to stay in, or they swing with the party they think they think going to come in, or and become permanent in their bo- in their job. So there is no term limits on 24 million mm-hmm. of our workers. So are we going to lay off half these workers? No. I think we need to find out what they're doing. And now there's another another website that has a, a analysis of all of the expenditures of, at every level of government. It's amazing. It's called openthebooks.com. The problem is with this, it's transparency, but the money's already gone. But within that website and the U.S. debt clock, when you look at it, there are solutions of this that, that hits you in the face is that we have to know what these people do. We don't. There are, we, the first responders, yeah, we know what they do, the, the police, the firemen, the teachers. During the pandemic, those were the ones that were shut down. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the big boxes and the big government and, and Big Brother and the Brotherhood all got their paychecks and stimulus checks. So this is not what you would call free market, laissez-faire enterprise. It is money takes to the greatest degree, and it's it's killing our, 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 our competitive nature in the world because we, the world's grown to a global trade war or trade supply line, and the supply lines principally are in Asia. And now Asia, and that's specifically China, is moving into Africa, uh, has already made... Um, inroads into China or uh, India, uh, South America, Central America in terms of 
cartels, and, and they're part of the um, open border uh, policy. They're coming in, streaming in. So we have to start going on offense. We, we have a defense department that's building weapons of mass destruction that we don't want to have to use. That's, a, that's almost a trillion dollars a year to fund the military and development of weapons. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a boots on the ground, bomb each other war. I mean, Putin has this, has, has this by the, you know what, because we're afraid that he's going to drop the bomb on us. And, and China, they're employing us. Russia sells oil to us. We're a, we're a customer, uh, as Ukraine is, 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 has been a, a supplier. So the supply line, we don't control anymore. And, and, and why is that a problem? Well, China now, smarter than we are, they, they took our technology and made it better, reverse engineered, and selling it back to us. Uh, and this so is South Korea, Japan. Uh, Taiwan, India, Vietnam. Uh, I'm running out of words, Malaysia. You, you have <laughs> there's a consortium of suppliers there that have, by the you know what, particularly if they stop taking our paper, because the dollar bill is the reference currency for trade, and China through the the export import bank has been distorting the the exchange rate for for a number of years towards them. But if we lose that position and, and China is wanting to take the position of being the, the international or worldwide currency and the worldwide government. So that's what we're up against is that we basically lost the trade war because China controls all shipping through the, the, the hundred ports around the country are 20 ports and they come from their 30 ports. Shanghai being the biggest, and they have they have um, built their own cargo ships. They've built their own containers. They have a 14,000-acre container field in Shanghai, color-coded and robotic, loading and unloading these huge cargo ships that now can get through the Suez Canal and the, uh, the other canal. I forget what it is. Um, because they've widened them. To be able to handle these large cargo ships, a cargo ship, uh, and there's the two largest of, of China's is the Goliath, which has capacity of 24,000 containers, and the Tessa, which has can can carry 18,000 containers, and around the world they have some 370 million containers in process of being delivered on a two-way shipping. Uh, program where where they get paid shipping for bringing it here they don't pay for getting it to the wholesalers and the and the retailers we got to do that they don't even pay for any marketing of their products we do that and they then want paid for the us to ship the stuff that we do export back to the uh, uh the importer so they have about a two trillion dollar shipping monopoly and it's run by the communist CCP, the, the communist uh, Chinese Communist Party, which I call uh, a monopsony. A monopsony in economics is a is a entity that handles uh, supply and demand, and then shipping. Mm-hmm. So at this point, we're lost when it comes to being able to build on our 
uh, products. We've, we've shut down the energy department almost with a green, green New Deal that's dead on arrival. And China says, well, we'll sign up for it, but we'll move in that direction. They and India and Mexico are some of the worst offenders. But in, 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 a, in essence, America is in, the, in a point of no return. And this will only escalate because we keep, we keep inflating the derivative bubble. What is the derivative bubble? Well, that's, the, that's not only the debt, it's our stock market. The stock market right now is going up during inflation and stagnation. Why is that? Because the government's spending. The spending's causing the, the inflation, and, and, and then we'll turn into stagnation. It'll get to the point where people just give up and stay home, and like they did in Russia and like they did in Cuba, and, and eventually will happen in China, is that that top-down government, instead of the bottom-up enterprising workers, hasn't worked in history. So that's just kind of a sum-up of the of, uh, volume two and three yeah. because three is going to be has to be the, the human capital the human capital has to be led the leadership in this country has never been focused on global trade there, most people would like to see global trade go away well it's gone away it's over there and if it's not going to come over here we turn the tables on them and tell them we're not paying shipping sorry you're going to have to get get the the the, the supply here you're going to have to pay for market and market space. Coca-Cola has to pay shelf space to, to get his product mm-hmm. uh, shown. So, no, this this has got to be, the tables have to be turned on them. We have to have people to understand how to do that. And we do have people in the, in the country, but they're not attorneys. Our country is run by attorneys, lawmakers and bankers and economists and those people that tell us what to do and what not to do. Well, we have enough talent in this country to replace them in a minute with people that do know what to do in the cabinet and in our legislatures with term limits, term limits on the bureaucrats. We have to know what they're doing. Yeah. We need to take back the country and the consumer should be running global trade. Well, that's the essence of the American enterprise swing vote party. Jerry, listen, man, there is so much here. I, 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 people, I know myself. Okay. I can sit here. I can talk to Jerry for hours. Okay. I'm, I am that much engulfed in everything that he is saying. And it makes so much sense to me. These things are within our control. It comes down to the consumers, it comes down to us. Now, that's a lot of work. By no means is this going to happen overnight. It's going to take time, it's going to take dedication. But this is something that we can do. It starts with us. It starts with books like this. The American Enterprise Party, Volume 1. The Swing Vote to Drain the Swamp and Reign in Big Brother and the Brotherhood. Emphasis on that last line. Reign in Big Brother and the Brotherhood. People, we got to rein them in. And it's up to us in order to do that. There's so much happening here. There's so much information. We have barely scratched the surface, and that's what I love about this interview. Now it's up to you. You got to head on over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, jerryrhodesauthor.com. Pick up your copies. The education is second to none. You need to be informed. Pick up these books. Go a step further. Get these books to add to someone else's shelf so they can be informed as well. 
once we start to raise the awareness, then we can really start to, as he said, put boots on the ground. Now, I know he meant it in some other uh, in, a, in a different reference, but this is what we want here. We need boots on the ground for our for our own benefit and for our future. That's what we have to do. And yeah. while you're at it, listen, I know we we spent this entire time talking about the American Enterprise Party because that was what was most important. But again, remember, Jerry has a lot of other works that he's put out. Head on over, get lost in all of them because there is so much. There's really something for everyone, not just educational and informative books. So many of them are. But he also has some artistic books as well. You're going to want to get involved in it. And you got to head on over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, jerryrhodesauthor.com in order to do so. Jerry, this has been a true pleasure, man, an absolute delight. Thank you once again for being a guest with us on People of Distinction. Well, thanks for having me. Enjoyed <laughs> trying to sum this up. Uh, it's pretty difficult. <laughs> Good morning, America. It's Jerry Rhodes coming to you from Chicago, Illinois. Podcaster, American Enterprise Party, the swing vote party, the power of the swing vote. The only way to stop America's runaway debt scenario, which has interest payments at $1 trillion per year, assuming that that interest is being paid, or maybe we're just making the minimum payment. You know, like on your credit card, you only pay $25 when the payment should be 1000 What happens? Oh, that interest compounds. What you don't pay in interest goes into the principal, and that goes into the calculation for your interest. Now, is that interest accrued on your books, or is it just there and you want to ignore it and pay it in the future? Like our Treasury Secretary says, we should have a 100-year Treasury note to pay our bills with. Holy smokes. Also, we spend more than $1 billion per day just on interest on the national debt. And that word spend really isn't proper we borrow on a compound interest basis a billion per day per day. That's why our debt is growing at three hundred and twenty eight billion a week. Go to the debt clock, which now I've labeled the death death clock D E A T H death clock. And it has a death whoosh in it. Whoosh, death, whoosh. The Fed has very little prospects of doing anything that wouldn't cause secondary problems. Mark Thornton, senior fellow in the Mrs. Mises Institute. What does that mean? Well, it means they're causing problems. The, 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 the action they take are to protect its banks and to blame Wall Street, just like they did in 1929 and like they did in 2008 and like they're doing now. They raise the interest, the discount rates to their banks 
to slow down the currency flow into the into the government's hands at a higher cost of capital. It's puzzling how that's going to help our economy and how it's going to stop inflation. It seems to me it, it increases inflation and it causes secondary problems. Well, deficit spending. They haven't slowed down our government. The budget has been proposed at $7 trillion and there's only $4 trillion in tax revenue. Huh. Loss of trade. Loss, not, not necessary loss of trade, but uh, losing money on global trade. We lose a trillion a year on the supply chain imbalance. We import a trillion more a year than we export. That's all about fiat money and more borrowing and hiding the debt. We waste taxpayer money on government and then we hide what it costs to sustain that government. Three, inflating the derivative bubble. Well, why would the Fed do that? Because at some point it will inflate to the point that it will burst like it did in 1929 and 2008 and is about to do that again doesn't take a banker or a genius to figure out that we can't pay off not just the current debt, but the future debt, the future obligations. Well, what are they? Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, uh, government pensions is the biggest. What in the world are we doing here when we're trying to get the voters to believe that this is about who you elect, or what party are you for, or when will America finally hit the wall and crash. That's inevitable. If you're any um, one in the profession of, of accounting and you're looking at the death clock, I call it death clock, not debt clock, the death of America's economy and its future, you'd go, oh my, this can't be true. This is alarming, what came from a friend of mine that was a partner in Arthur Anderson, the biggest accounting firm in the, in the, in the world. Uh, government's not on generally accepted accounting principles. Well, what the hell is that gap? I, I, you got it in your podcast, and I don't quite understand what GAP is. Well, GAP is that you have uh, a budget. You don't have a set of books, uh, financial reporting that shows your financial condition. You only have a budget, a budget federally, a budget on, on 60 or 50 different, I call them colonies. And then you got 2,400 counties, and you got 20,000 Towns and cities, they're all on a budget. They're uh, governmental entities, of which we have thousands. And then below that, in, like in the state of Iowa when I was there, uh, they had 2,000 committees and then another 
thousand subcommittees to uh, keep the governor informed. No, it was patronage, no doubt. They all got stipends. They didn't have, they didn't have um, goals and objectives and, and results. It was all patronage. So the anthill, as I call it, in Washington, D.C., and every state capital during session are there to grab their share. And share of what? It isn't cash flow. There isn't a state in our, in our a colony in our union that is creating cash flow. California will brag that they have the best GDP in uh, the world. What do they throw off in cash flow? How much money are they making? Well, California was going to go on Gap until, I guess, Newsom saw what it was going to do and some and somebody complained because they, they got behind the scenes and found that, that the state um, budget office adds in borrowing to the receipts to say they're balancing their budget. And then I find also that in, when I tried to get it converted to Gap in Illinois 20, 30 years ago, and, doc, and Dr. <laughs> Governor Walker kiboshed it because he, he said, we can't, we can't show uh, the people that. And it just gets worse and worse. So now, supposedly, Oregon and Washington have been pressured into converting to Gap, generally accepted accounting. What does that mean? Well, that means when we have obligations that we've written in the law, which is Medicare, Medicaid, 13 entitlements, and government pensions, we are to accrue over a period of time so we will have cash flow to meet those obligations. We don't have enough cash flow to even service our current debt. That's why interest on interest is compounding, and this is nothing but a death wish. So I'm calling it the death clock and the death wish. That's the number four thing that the Fed is doing, collapsing USA, Inc. into bankruptcy. Oh, that's just a fear tactic on your part. Well, okay, just give it time. It happens in the real world. The, 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 the country is nothing but a large enterprise. Well, it's not an enterprise. It's a monarchy. And the monarchies, as it did in Great Britain, when your colonies outgrow you and are demanding more than you can afford and your, your tax rate goes to 90%, which Biden, sure, I'm sure, will, will cause when he says none of this costs the taxpayer one penny. No, it's all borrowed money. And guess what? Now OPEC says they want to de-dollarize trade. Oh, good old Fed, what's that mean? What's that mean? We don't, when we're not the reference currency around the world in trade exchanges, in the exchange of, of uh, products and services, no longer based on what a dollar value is, so China could cheat on their yuan value, yuan value. No, no, OPEC says they would rather have the yuan in a relationship with China to be the reference currency. 
And China's thinking they'll have a central bank that it creates or converts to a crypto currency. So then all of a sudden, trades all on the basis of some electronic blip here and there. So is that the death wish? Well, they're the primary cause of bankruptcy. What are they? Number one, compounding interest on your current debt and not setting aside or accruing a portion of your profits and cash flow for future payments towards those legal entitlements. Two, loss of more trade and more cash flow. Because we no longer, if we're not the reference currency, can't get the power of the dollar generating enough here in America since we don't produce the products, only services such as Facebook and Twitter and all those propaganda machine, we don't have control of worldwide trade. When we were producing it, we did. Now we've lost control to China and their alliances. Their alliances are all over Asia, including India and Africa, Taiwan, South Korea, Japan, Philippines, uh, uh, Cuban. Well, Cuba's over here. Yeah, in South America and Central America with the cartels. No, it can't, it can't happen like that. Well, it is happening. So the loss of control over trade is primary cause of bankruptcy. De-dollarizing trade. Uh, OPEC uh, has created the, the nail in the coffin or the, or the uh, execution of America's dominance in the number one position in the world, which Dalio, who runs, um, what is it, one of the largest, he calls himself the largest hedge fund, um, Bridgewater, and Larry Fink, who runs Blackwater, um, are basically hedging against America. They're predicting that America's number one position in the big cycles, so first was the Dutch and then the British or, or the, the British Empire. Now it's the U.S. Empire. And it's going down as China's empire is on the rise. Oh, I heard they're in trouble too. Well, of course, there are troubles in being number one. When you're number one, then everybody is after your American pie. They're, they're coming through our open borders, they all want a piece of it, and, uh, and they're all going to sink with the American ship, the great American enterprise ship. USA, USA's principle on debt grows with compound interest, something that even the most conservative, um, negative thinkers would recognize that America, when it's raised its debt ceiling 79 times, is not paying its current, anything on the current debt, and it's not paying its interest. We all know, don't know what's going on, not just in D.C., but across the country and every one of our uh, colonies.
the 50 colonies. Because we have corruption of USA by our leaders and leadership. Who knows why the Bidens are getting payments from foreign countries. Uh, no one knows how the Clintons have billions of dollars at their disposal in their foundations. Or Gates going around the country buying up farmland buying, and, and uh, foreign countries buying our, the, the properties here that are in foreclosure. foreclosure because they want to control the rental product here and their interest uh, rates. What the heck? This can't be. What's the bottom line on all this? Well, we're wasting our taxes with earmarks and subsidies and proxy wars. Well, what's a proxy war? Well, it's like Ukraine. Could have been stopped. Trump said he could have stopped in a day. In a day. Yeah, admit Ukraine to NATO and tell NATO to buckle up and stop Putin. But the, Biden didn't do that. Trump was gone. It wasn't, wasn't stolen. The, the, the election wasn't stolen. It was illegal. When this mail-out voting was justified by Fauci, who started the pandemic, uh, because of the pandemic, then everything went haywire. And no one really knows who won or who lost. Trump is saying he it was stolen. I think he should have said it was illegal because every state legislature had some form of security that was violated. And so, no, we didn't have a, a fair election in 2016, nor did we have one in 2020 or, or 2010 or 20-whatever. There has been a problem all along. So what have we become? You know, we, we've become like any other country. We kind of fake the voting system, and whoever is in the Politburo continues to get reelected. The reelected rate is something in the 90% range, or you're, if you're not running, your son or daughter are, are running. Uh, we have nepotism everywhere. So the bottom line, uh, we're wasting taxes on subsidies and earmarks and proxy wars and hiding not just the debt, but the effect of compound interest on T-bills and treasury bonds. And now the yield is inverted on those. So now people, the hedge funds, whoever's market or selling these securities only get 1.4% on the 30-year, and they get a big 4.1% on a one-year. So it is not a great investment. They say the, this, the credit rating is AA minus or something like that. It was AAA plus. I think that, that they're kidding themselves. This country is in the C level in terms of risk. And that's why I believe that the hedge funds, they won't tell us who, who, whose money they're investing. It's a Ponzi scheme, just like Madoff. They're not telling anybody that they're representing the big money in America in terms of the pension funds and the mutual funds. Come on, that's who they're hedging with. When they hedge against America and hedging for China on, on betting with their so-called risk analysis and uh, 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 
um, the 18 determinants that Davio, whatever his name is, used in his book, are all showing America coming down and China coming up. Well, guess who is com- converting to GAP? <laughs> this is the biggest joke of all. They have a committee in China that is bent on converting their financial system to generally accepted accounting principles. Can you believe it? Well, it's there. Read it in my book. Volume 1 covers all of this. Why we have to have a swing vote third party not to win the presidency and control everything because that's a death wish right there. I don't care what country is doing it. The death wish is if you want think you can control everything from the top down because revolutions have proven that that always comes down in a crash, and that's where we're headed. But anyway, China's converting to GAP. Now, why would they do that? Well, for the same reason that we should. California should have kept on with it, and Illinois, and and now... Um, and these are progressive states, supposedly. Washington and Oregon. Wow, wait till they see the bottom line on that, and they will quickly decide they will not go to Gap. Well, okay, and then you're then you're wasting taxpayers' money on proxy wars and a hundred stealth B twenty one bombers that are going to be a fleet for our U.S. Air Force by the 2030s. They've tested one. My God, it could be a drone. We could have a drone as our B-21 stealth, supersonic, nuclear bomber. Where in the hell are you going to fly the damn thing and what are you going to drop the bombs on? And who's going, to, who's, who's going to get the bomb? I thought we wanted to, to ban the bomb. These are bombers. What the hell? Who we got running this country anyway? Austin Boston and, and Winkin Blinken? They don't represent an offensive plan. This is all to scare, you know, this, this peace restraint thing. It's called peace through fear thing. If we have the bigger bombs, biggest bombs, and the biggest bombers, and the biggest, well, it would have been the budget, but that's, that's gone away. The biggest talk, I guess, by our so-called leaders, who are 90% attorneys, bankers, and public health officials, uh, telling all the rest of us what to do or not to do, making laws... 40,000 bills are offered up, proffered up every year from our legislatures, our 50 colonies, and our federal government. Read my book. I guess they're books. It's a trilogy. Volume two is what are we going to do? How are we going to fix it? Can we fix it? Well, we better fix it because the other side of losing is not being number two after China takes over. We will be a part of China. They like to come in like they did Tibet, and they want to control from the inside out. And they're not uh, a benevolent leader uh, by any means. So is that a death wish? Yeah, that's what I would call it. The death clock and the death wish.
Okay, what are you going to do about that? Uh, oh, the other thing I didn't point out. China's dumping their $1.7 trillion in T-bills into the market. What? Wow. Why would they do that? Because they're worthless. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. And, and de-dollarizing de trade with a gridlock government, with a two-party system that is there not to solve problems but discuss and fight over issues, the McCoys and the Hatfields killing each other and the rest of us are the victims. Biden-Harris, Newsom, Trump, DeSantis, Haley. Who in the hell is going to lead this country according to if you have a plan and you're Volume 2, the quasi-reorganization. Who in the hell is going to do this? And and how long is it going to take? And what's the likelihood of success? What is the risk? Well, the risk is that we're gone as number one. That's already in the, in, in the cards. You, you, the only way we can save that is stop what you do in a reorganization, quasi-reorganization of bankruptcy. You freeze the debt under a plan of reorganization. States have done it. Cities have done it. I've done it with my businesses. Trump's done it with his. The greatest thing that ever, that ever was invented in America was, first of all, trade. The pilgrims invented it when they traded beans for corn and corns for clothes and clothes for covered wagons and covered wagons for cars and cars for planes and trains and automobiles which made America number one. The only problem is the rest of the world was stealing those ideas and that technology, re reverse engineering it, and is now selling it back to us. Oh, my God. I see what you mean. Yeah, and they also, China controls what? Well, yeah, they control the trade. How do they do that? Well, their monopsony government is the buyer and seller of, of last resort, it's a communist theory of control from top down, and they control shipping and distribution through their monopolies. What's well, a monopoly? Well, it's their oligarchs that they have that are reporting to a one-man government where they don't have uh, unions, they don't have strikes, they don't have close-downs. Well, they just, they, I guess the virus that Fauci started did close them down for a while. But they're coming back out of it, and they control the seas. Through They build their own uh, uh, cargo ships. They build the containers. Shanghai has 14,000 acres for China's cargo ships, if you can imagine. So here we are. How in the hell? Who's going to do this? What is the bottom line? Well, okay. Let's consider China's wolf war warrior... Belt road of the belt ro belt of the road and of the seas plans because they have them published. They're in my first volume. We can know what they're doing. We can then turn the tables on them because they've overextended. They they have twenty some cities that are larger than New York City. Those weren't built by slave labor or child labor. They have spent so much money on real estate, as Trump has, and as Trump is, 
He's not worth $5 billion. Hell, he's, his occupancy rate is around 45%. He's losing his ass on these tall buildings after uh, bin Laden you know, ran into him with planes. China's got the same problem. They wasted a lot of money on building a lot of impressive buildings. And we have to now, in our situation, focus on what we can control. What can we control? Well, we're the consumer. We're the consumer of the world, or the largest. They all want a piece of our pie. And they're getting it through global trade. So now we no longer pay shipping. We no longer just absorb the cost. And, and, and China and, and, and Shanghai has robotics loading and unloading. We go to L.A. or Birmingham or New York City. Slave labor here, I guess you'll call it slave labor. Our labor has to, by hand, unload and load. They unload it with, uh, yeah, they got cranes and whatever else, but not robotics. They put it on semi-trailer trucks and trains and whatever, planes, to get it to the wholesalers. China doesn't pay any of that. Then it gets to the wholesaler, and, and, and they have to then get it to the retailer with shelf space and, and unloading and loading and all the way down the chain to the, to the Walmarts and to the um, Amazon or the rest of our retailers. Huh. And they don't pay any of that. China has this by the you-know-what. Behind the scenes, they took this over and we now, as a part of the quasi-reorganization plan in my books, talks about how you reverse this. How long will it take? A decade. It took two or three decades for it to happen under presidents that had no idea how to run a country or how to run a, um, uh, the American, the USA, Inc. Uh, enterprise. So that's where we are. It's kind of like the greatest president that we had ever was Delano Roosevelt, who won the Second World War in spite of the war machine built by Hitler in 10 years, and, and he was going after the bomb. America built, built it in four years, with Rosie the Riveter and all Americans pitching in, won the war in four years. With under the greatest president ever that says fear, the only fear we have is a fear of itself. And this is not infamy. This is the future. Well, how in the hell did this guy in a wheelchair that couldn't stand up inspire America to win the war? War bonds. Oh, yeah, that's where the money came from. It didn't come from a Biden tax or a Trump uh, uh, reduction of the corporate tax to, get, to, to bring business back here, which isn't working, won't work. No, he had war bonds, 6% war bonds. Where did, that, where did that money come from? From the people in this country that were going to lose their ass unless they bought war bonds and supported the president in winning the war. Well, what, what's that got to do with today? Right now, our leadership, whoever that's going to be, and, and I'm not saying it's from my party, because my party isn't even in existence right now. It's a swing vote party. It has to pull candidates from the left and the right into the middle.
and be the swing vote and put things like I'm talking about this quasi reorganization and 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 the and the war the trade war bonds um, offered up not through some SEC entanglement but to every person in America on a basis of a percent of their net worth because we're not going to let the big guys let the all the little people be responsible for this they're responsible for a good part of what caused this they're sucking this out through these hedge funds and putting it in investments overseas what about us here well us what is us biden's let 8 million more people through the the the, the back door and none of them really are for us they just want a piece of the pie the pie is the consumer pie that we have to utilize against the suppliers not just china all 30 countries that export more to us than we import to them how in the hell did that happen leadership leadership in in the future has to be more than what we've called our leaders that ran the country on the basis of the golden rule. Those that have the gold shall rule. That's a monarchy. Just like Thatcher, we're going to have to tell these colonies, you get no more uh, federal revenue sharing, and you're responsible for creating profits and cash flow. And your books are going to be on gap, and you're all going to be rated on the basis of performance. That includes the mayors, the county supervisors, and and whoever else is involved in a government that will be downsized to half its size within this concept of quasi-reorganization, what does that mean? Are you going to lay off half of the, of the government workers? No. You're going to privatize agencies, get them out of the, from under this umbrella of government and gridlock uh, government into what they really are. They're enterprises. They're not institutions, transportation, education, healthcare, uh, urban affairs, agriculture, environment. Those should be what I call enterprises. Uh, healthcare, the, the, the thing I propose in my book is the, the, the healthcare become an enterprise not a uh, institution with their budgets. No, this all needs to be run like a giant business, and then we have some accountability, because right now we have no accountability at every level, and we don't know what these people do or don't do, and in, in, in the case of America, unless we fix it, we're, we're dead in the water. We're on a dead horse headed nowhere. So... Yes, we have to downsize government at every level, and we have to get them into these enterprises. Oh, you're, you're all about this privatizing. No. No, I'm talking about enterprising Americans that go to work every day as human capital along with the monetary capital that the rich control, the big guys, and that's called... Uh, monetary capital, shareholder capital. We're not talking now about the stakeholders. They, they're going to have to get theirs out of the profitability of every level in this country because we don't have any profitability. We just have the death wish, which is not just debt, but compounded interest on this. 
So every accountant in this country knows what the death wish is because we learned it in college. I don't even know if they teach it anymore. It's called not just economics. It's called enterprise. So, okay, war bonds. What are you going to pay on them? Well, our stock market has, has spun off 10% return for 50 years. Um, there was a recommendation that we should be investing our Social Security money in not the stock market now, but in these war bonds and or the stock market. Right now, they, they're invested in treasuries and then... And then our government uses that to fund our government and our wars, our proxy wars and all that stuff. Look at how that's working out. So, no, the plan here is to utilize our strength, which is our 300 uh, or 400 um, citizens. I know we don't have that many, but we have at least... Half, what is the workforce? 60% of our census, 60% of 400 million, 240 million maybe that we can get to, you know, carry out their work on time every time and produce quality and, and uh, justify uh, us being number one in, in the world, not as the producer of everything pretty much as the consumer and the management of the process. Oh, you mean America's going to be number one forever? Well, no. Uh, it'll come a time where it'll go the other way. I have a book called Americana, and it kind of forecasts that if we aren't careful, we'll be 1984 and 2084. But anyway, for this podcast, i got to wrap this up. Who, who would you choose to be the leader of the pack at this point. The big pack, well, in terms of who's qualified, in terms of federal, oh, you mean the presidency? No, I'm talking about leading 100 senators and 435 Congress people and the Supreme Court and the president to the goal line. Winning this global trade war, so to speak, so we don't end up with Beijing running everything. And that is certainly enough, uh, probably, uh, inspiration to get most people understanding what I'm saying. This includes the governors, the mayors, the county supervisors have to be following an office plan. And this plan's in the books. It may be rough. It may not be, have everything. It's just a proposal. So as a sidelight, am I qualified to do this? Well, I, I've been a consultant. I, I came out of Simpson College in Iowa. I was chosen as a Wall Street uh, Journal Award winner in, in, in college. I got hired by Arthur Anderson, the largest accounting and consulting firm in the world. And I moved from... Iowa to Chicago with my family and learned everything I'm talking about here in my experience in terms of not only Arthur Anderson, but I've owned my own businesses for 40 years. I put my software in into bankruptcy because it's an idea on how we can actually convert our healthcare system from just provider incomes to uh, 
provider outcomes. You're not going to get paid unless you create an outcomes, such as the pharmaceuticals or the hospitals and doctors, who now don't create any, are not obligated to create any out, positive outcome. They just get their incomes by diagnosis, prescription drugs, that sort of thing. That's all in my other books that are available. We have to have the same concept in our government. We cannot no longer just call it an institution of government and separate state and from from religion and and everything like like the Constitution says we need to follow. I'm not saying rewrite the Constitution. I'm saying stop amending it. Go back to the principles of the the pilgrims that traded, you know, beans for corn and corn for clothes. That whole concept is what the whole world needs to do. It it, it puts the responsibility not only in the bottom-up solution, it puts the responsibility in the hands of every American citizen, not the legals, not those that could get through here and sell drugs or prostitution or or whatever they're going to do on the streets of America. Those have to be weeded out. No, we can't continue to build huge prisons. You either produce in this country or not go into prison. You're just going to have to experience uh, not poverty, not starving to death, because no one in America has been <laughs> starving to death. Go to the ghettos and you can see that. No. First part of this is clean the ghettos. Knock down the, the slums. Open up the uh, what's causing the crime problems right there. It's a breeding ground. Put them to work with enterprise bonds. Oh, we just clean up the, the, the whole situation in these cities by knocking it down and rebuilding it. Like we're, we, supposedly BlackRock is going to invest in, in Ukraine. Why are we rebuilding Ukraine when we need to rebuild our, our six cities and our transportation system and our, and our agriculture? This investment needs to be in America. And it's ask not what you can do for your party, ask what you can do for your country, and that includes the stock market and the Federal Reserve and all these other so-called institutions that are a part of our collapse. And that has to be rectified. The leadership, I'm finally getting to the bottom line, my punchline is who is going to lead this American Enterprise Party that you are founder of and the CEO of. Well, who's most qualified? Is it Donald Trump? Is it Joe Biden? Is it DeSantis or Newsom? Or Well, first of all, you know, do, you, do you want attorneys running your, your business, a Harvard and a, and a, and a Yale attorney? Or um, a bureaucrat that's been in, in office here or in, in, on the payroll? for 40 or 50 years, either running our public health department or running as president currently. I would say that we've set ourselves up for the death wish because when it comes to our leaders, it shouldn't be an automatic that you get reelected every year because you could afford to go out and pay people to get them to sign so you could run. You know, it used to be anybody could run for anything. Now it's no one can run for anything because you have to have money behind you. And it's for sure the leadership are encouraged to keep everybody poor and, and hungry 
as they do in the Hunger Games, and then you can control everything. So I would say get this down to the bottom line of a business where you have a board and you have executives and you have a plan and you have goals and objectives and outcomes being shown by gap accounting. The whole country is going to have to be converted to it. China's doing it. Why are they doing it? For the same reason we're going to have to do it. We can no longer do this pipe dream, this this death wish that America can afford anything and everything. No, no longer. We are now not in control of the resources around the world, human and, and natural resources. We're letting them be siphoned off by this whole concept called stay-at-home stay workers, uh, quietly quit. Just don't own anything and be happy. Well, the, the <laughs> evolution will show you and revolutions that that's not reality. And whether Marx was right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, China is missing it with the fact that Marx forgot to tell everybody that it, within the structure of of socialism is what they call it. It's not socialism. We Socialism in America is our workers, and, and capitalism is our investors. And, and the stakeholders are the ones that are supposed to get donations and the, the, you know, the good things to happen with money. No, this is the concept of winning. America's sports crazy. We all sit around on every Sunday or Monday or Thursday night and, and, pick, and support our team. Well, this is no different. These are teams. The governors are, it's a team and, and the mayors. and they have, to, they have to be a good coach. They have to be a winning coach. They cannot be the people that have all the money and tell us all what to do. It's the worst form of any entity. And we've proven that because that's why we're number one. Why would we want to give this up to that other so-called 1984 or animal farm, where the rules, seven rules, exist, but the first six only exist to us, and the other one says uh, that they don't apply to our, what I am calling now our oligarch, our Congress, our Supreme Court, our president, don't follow the same rules. Newsom doesn't follow the same rules. Trump doesn't follow them. Okay, how are you going to do that without a revolution? It's not a rev it's a voter revolution. It's, it's a voter resolution. If this next election in 2024 goes the way they have been, this country is toast. The death wish is in, in, in the death clock. And you go look at it if you don't want to acknowledge it. And they have an international debt clock. Who's they? Well, the, the USA, U.S. debt clock is the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Oh, and the Enterprise Institute. Oh, and the and Americans' budget, Terry. You're, you're kidding. The, the, the government budgetary people know this? Of course they know it. They're trying to hide it. They're hiding this with uh, raising the debt ceiling 79 times. They, they put the debt in the receipt side. No, they're cheating. It's like the, the guy that puts his foot in a bucket of 
boiling hot water and the other foot in a ice cold water, and on average, he should be happy. Staying at home and happy. Well, no, there are these extremes, which we've now seen with our two-party system, gridlocked is what happens. Is when you average everything out and everyone's the same, how are we ever going to be better? And there is no color in enterprise. And we need to focus on humanism rather than racism and fascism and all these other isms because that's what makes America great. And until we protect ourselves from these other factions and go around the world as a Peace Corps, great idea, but one one of our better presidents, JFK, the Peace Corps, and call it the Enterprise Corps. Africa right now have handhelds in the hands of their people starting little businesses. It's amazing with cryptocurrency. They're, mentally, they're in a survival mode, maybe, but I think they're in, way ahead of us when they're realizing the power of enterprise. It isn't the power of, of money. Enterprise creates money. It creates opportunity. It creates equality. If, when, if you, everyone wants to be equally or look the same or be the same, the brave new world where now Metaverse is no longer Facebook. You can just put your face into this thing and and allow you to be anything that you aren't. That's what AI is headed towards, making us into robots. No, it'll never work because we can outsmart a robot. Oh, no, they've proven with IBM that, 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 that the machine can beat you in chess. Well, chess isn't living. That's that, that's so uh, analytical, as my I've been called, to not have feelings. We have to have the feeling part, the humanism in this, and go around the world teaching it, as Kissinger was doing, and we just lost him to 100 years, detente. He's the guy that, that did it with Russia. It wasn't Reagan. Reagan was following Kissinger. Tear down the wall is what he said, but Kissinger made it happen with Russian Russia then converting to capitalism. They went back to whatever they're doing now because they got a guy that was in the KGB running the country. And he'll run Europe. Just watch until he stopped. And it isn't going to be with a bomb. Because, listen, China isn't going to destroy us. Russia's not going to. Iran isn't going to. How can you say that? Because they've employed us in our Walmarts, in our gas stations, no matter what you look at here in this global affair, we're the consumers, the major consumers. How can they, be, how can they exist without us? They have some reason for being here. Oh, it could be religion, and oh, the, you know, ISIS wants to kill everybody. Well, okay, that, that could be corrected, I guess, with a, hundred, a fleet of 100 B-21s scare everybody to death. But in reality, it's all back to humanism. Now, if we never in the world get to humanism until we're attacked by an alien alien robot, which is in my book, Americana, where we do get attacked, our grids get attacked, and we then have to collectively, together, around the world, work to fight an outside enemy. Well, the outside enemy right now is financial uh, crash. Because when America goes down, it, it, like a tidal wave, goes all over the world. And it affects everybody in this country. If you think I'm 
puffing smoke here, just, just envision how this will affect everyone. So am I just giving a, a political speech for <clears throat> a political party? No. No, this is an irrational approach to having a, an offensive plan. <clears throat> like in the NFL, defense doesn't win the games, it's offense. And who is the most important? Well, it's the quarterback. <coughs> and now the split end. Oh, who would that be in your estimation? Well, my pick would be a rhino, which is Republican name only, Mitt Romney, who ran. Oh, he ran. He lost. Yes, but he had a company called Bain Capital, and he's expert on taking financial disasters, scaling off the fixed cost down to the break-even point, and then starting over profitably, which we have to do with every one of our colonies. Every one of these 60 governors is sitting on a, on a enterprise. So are the mayors, so are the county supervisors. They're going to have to run it that way. And we're going to have to downsize this government by getting all these institutional wastes, wastes gone. We can cut half of the payroll in the federal government by turning them into enterprises where whoever's leading it a CEO of every a governor for every one of the colonies, then they're re- responsible for producing profit, cash flow, and get the debt down to a reasonable level of their income. Not just GDP, but the actual creation of their econ- not economy, their enterprise profits. And revenue less cost equals. Profits. Profits equal cash flow. Cash flow equals capital. And it will enable the, co- the country to come back and grow, not just as a consumer, because all this technology is coming from our small businesses. We're not going to give that away under this, under this uh, organizational structure. No, we're going to turn around and market it and sell it to the rest of the world. The way to beat them is compete compete against them with newer and more technological uh, proven products, and we can do that with 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 laissez faire enterprise. We cannot do that with our current. Um, I call it a monarchy. We're just like Great Britain, and I'm am I uh, Margaret Thatcher uh, or what? We need to let these people be. Let them go, invent, create revenue-producing ideas and products for the rest of the world, and be responsible at every state. Every state capital isn't going to be a, 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 it'll be a beehive, not an anthill. A beehive is we're growing this thing. An anthill is where the ants are taking it all. So now we then become the dynamic new USA Inc., God save America, we, we have to save America ourselves. And whoever's coming in here, and, we, and they shouldn't be in, through an open door without vetting. This is the worst thing that ever happened to our country is to do that. We're not, we're not there like Poland taking everybody from Ukraine because we wouldn't stop Russia because we wouldn't go into NATO and say admit, admit not just Ukraine, Russia has wanted to be in NATO. Well, why in the hell would they want to be in NATO? Maybe they want to start being peaceful rather than rebuilding their country every every decade or whatever. 
I mean, the, the UN, was the concept was peace to the world. It's in New York City, and we don't, we, we, we don't support it philosophically. We think it's all run by a bunch of dummies. Well, the dummies are us, you know? Uh, the enemy is us. So we got to rethink, re- redesign, re- because the world is always in the cosmos, which we have no control over. The Green New Deal is dead on arrival, never was feasible, never was even re- needed. There are other things that are needed way more than that. Look at our ghettos, look at our crime, look at our, uh, our culture is violent, vulgar, and, and the wealth is all at the, at the top. That is upside down from what uh, Charles Koch says in his book, uh, Believe in People, okay, it's a top-down world and a a bottom-up solution, okay, well then support the American Enterprise Party that can lead us to to the goal line. That's all I got to say today. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is Jerry Rhodes again. I'm going to have to have an uh, addition to my uh, last last uh, podcast, which was called uh, Death Wish. And uh, I also am calling it the, the Lifeline. But anyway, I didn't finish up on who my other choice would be for leadership in the American Enterprise Party would be Joe Manchin from West Virginia. He is the swing vote for our gridlocked Congress. And he understands that you have to stop it when it has to be stopped. He's taken the grief. He's talking about running as a third-party candidate, I guess, for president. So he is a dino, a Democrat in name only, teaming up with Mitt Romney, who uh, is a leader. He's proven that. Both of them have proven their leadership ability. And I think they got enough common sense and backbone to take on what I'm proposing here. I've sent Mitt Romney Volume 1 of my um, trilogy. I heard back and he said he felt that the Republicans were had it in them to do it, but he's, he's retiring. I would say to he... And Joe Manchin, do not retire. Don't leave your leadership ability to someone else. Because at this point in time, somebody's got to take the reins. And I'm not doing this to be president or to be the leader of the party. At my age, I'm, like I say, running on my treadmill just to make sure I can get to the 100 mark like Kissinger did. But no... Uh, Joe Manchin is the swing vote. He understands the whole concept of the power of the swing vote. It it stops things that shouldn't be. It's the referee that we have in in all of our ball games around the country that everybody is loving because we're all pursuing being winners, not losers, but losers can come back always in the minds of Americans, and that's where we are right now, even though it looks like we're the loser in this worldwide trade war, uh, we can turn the tables on 
on our competition by just outworking them uh, with patriotic and ethical work, getting rid of waste. I do do have a story on what can happen when you do what America's done. My dad uh, was a, a factory worker. He worked at Firestone in Des Moines, Iowa for 32 years. His story to me, uh, in terms of his allegiance, was the union. I went with the union meetings with him at times just to find, see what, what they do or don't do. And I was amazed at how there was a dichotomy between the union and any ownership or shareholders of Firestone. They really didn't uh, sync up. There wasn't the leadership that would have all the workers on the team heading for, well, what would it be? Quality tires. And my dad uh, was uh, through working in the factory, eventually, uh, and they were paid on pace work. It was on the number of things, more tires. Firestone was the major tire producer in America. And the cars were selling, the, the tires were selling, and they had uh, certain quality standards that they had to abide by. But on occasion, you know, there, there would be a, a flaw. But the, nothing stopped the assembly line. You know, all these guys were wanting their their quotas plus the plus the bonuses. So uh, Firestone and all its and this was the, the Firestone family was no longer running. It was being run by management on the stock market, so they weren't be as profitable as their their earnings per share should produce. So they were going to add quality to this, and therefore it was. It took away from the workers because it took them longer to meet the standards and they no longer got the piecework bonuses. Well, you'd say, wow, that doesn't make any sense. Well, they said it was for quality control, but you cannot stop the assembly line to fix something in, the, in, in that because we just throw it away as waste when it gets, the tire gets thrown away at the end of the line. Through, product, through quality control. Well, they call it, I think, uh, inspection, final inspection. So then my dad was there long enough that he eventually was, got promoted into final inspection, of which I call quality control. And they, were, they had the authority to pass a tire or throw it away. Rather than practice dimming uh, strategy, which he taught to the to the Japanese on, you stop the assembly line and fix the the flaw so it doesn't become waste at the end of the line and thrown away because that's profits. And Deming became the the guy that has his picture in every um, Japanese is that they were throwing away the tires they used to throw away they were letting go through. Not all of them, but most of them. And guess what? Steel belted tires blew out, killed some people. Firestone was adjudicated as responsible for that, went into bankruptcy, and they were acquired by a Japanese company. Uh, it's not Firestone, it's Bridgestone. And I, some of my 
uh, fellow classmates in Indianola whose dads, who they, their dads and they ended up with your profits you're throwing away and you're also endangering the company with these faulty steel belted tires. So that's a, a, a story that could be told, I don't know how many times around America when they change the, the quality standards and it backfires. And today, uh, the uh, automobile industry is run by the Japanese on the basis of the dimming, uh, not philosophy, his enterprise method. And so I would encourage anybody and everyone to apply that to America, not just in, in our businesses, but in our government. Because if it isn't working, you know, to let it continue to work with wasting, wasting, and so, so are the Republicans that are in Congress. That's where the money is. That's where the gold is. That's who does the ruling. And we don't have an offense department. We're like the bears. Oh, we're going to hit the ground running. Dust, uh, three, three yards and and dust, or whatever it was, and uh, we'll win it with defense. Well, that doesn't work in America. When you, if you watch any of these, it's, it's, yes, you have to have a defense. Yes, they have to do their job. Yes, they have to throw away waste and all that stuff as final inspection or quality control, but they're not going to sink the company by sacrificing the standards. That's an offense. That's the principles of winning, is having goals, objectives, action plans, and measuring outcome. So in the Bears case, they haven't won anything in 40 years. They're still rationalizing why defense is going to win it for them, and they don't even know how to recruit a quarterback. So that's the end of my addition here. I apologize that I left you hanging because... We have to have someone like uh, Mitt Romney. Whether he will take it or not, I don't know. My podcast has to go viral or nothing's going to happen until it happens. And Manchin's so qualified. He was, his, his parents had a, a, a furniture store that he had to go in and run when they were having problems as they were getting older. And in West Virginia, he's been at every level of politics, a, a mayor, a uh, attorney general, a governor, and now a very courageous, uh, I might add, senator. And he, he and Romney are 76 years old. So if you're asking me at my age of 84, if I'm going to select some inexperienced people, or their name is RFK or, or, or Clinton or, or Trump, uh, I would say... You better come up with something better. And I'm not in. I'm not in the business of. Uh, and I may probably be criticized as not being a politician or not knowing anything about politics. This is about enterprise. This is ask not what you'll do for your party, because these parties are dragging us right into the sewer. What can you do for your country? So come up with some candidates. Break this this gridlock. Go for it. Because right now, we don't have any choice. We've lost the trade war. We've lost our, actually, we've lost our uh, reputation around the world when Truman dropped the two A-bombs that uh, Roosevelt would have never done. And I know Truman tried to back out of the responsibility, but no, they were dropped. 
and that's we would have had a deterrent in this with the with uh, the pacifist, which was Einstein and Oppenheimer inventing this thing and then backing off and saying, do not ever let creating a, a positive outcome, which is what I call peaceful coexistence. And that was, thank you.